the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, it's the Rob Black Podcast. You can hear Rob live every weekday morning from 10 to noon on 910 AM and talk910.com. Let's get a quick phone call in before we go to those headline news, because I understand you're using your minutes to call me. So let's uh, save you some minutes. Anthony, San Francisco. Anthony, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm okay. Hanging in there? Yeah, would you rip me as a friend? Uh, probably, but, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't have you do my uh, my kitchen. Sorry. I'm I'm good at kitchens. So I'm, I, I bowl, sure you are? I bowl a 120. You can beat me in bowling. Oh, wow. That's, actually, that's a pretty legit score, I guess. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> my highest bowling was 285 once. Really? Yeah, yeah. I really, I doubt that. No, it's actually true. Um, and I wasn't using bumpers, and... It was just an incredibly waxed floor. And, like, anywhere you threw it, for some reason, it would just go completely... Right down the middle. Exactly. Anyway, I wasn't cheating. It was just... It was over... So whoever waxed it messed up. But anyway. (laughs) Uh, Hey, I was just calling because uh, I'm reading up about the whole IPO for uh, Tesla Motors coming out. Uh Uh-huh. Curious what you were thinking about it. Tough to say. I haven't seen the prospectus yet. Have you gotten a copy of the prospectus? I have not. I just read about it in the paper like two days ago. Yeah, you're going to want to get... We're thinking about doing it at the end of the month. You're going to want to get the prospectus. Um, so you're going to want to call a broker who's one of the underwriters and get a copy of it. And okay. let's say it could price anywhere between, say, 16 and $18. And let's say it opens at 80 There's no way I'm touching it. Yeah. Um, it depends on what it prices at, what the potential revenues are now. I would take uh-huh. a look. I would take a look at the price of the stock versus their revenues. Okay. Um, then I would compare it to someone like Ford, and if Ford's got a price-to-sales ratio of two, I would go four to six for Tesla because I know it's sexy and it's going to be a grower. Um, I would take, I would do some some valuations. Keep in mind they're losing money, Anthony, and yeah. even though they got into Fremont and they got a factory for basically nothing. Yeah, uh, it was like free, pretty much. Pretty much so free, and uh, you know they got some Obama stimulus money. I'm a little bit nervous that so far they've been in the business of losing money. And yeah, because they've, they've been losing ever since the start, so oh, that's, yeah. that's what made me wonder whether or not it was a good idea. It, it's going to be whether they can get that sedan down to you know thirty five, forty thousand dollars that they want to build at Fremont, and can is it is it something that's dominant? Uh-huh. Uh, I think there's room for a new car player. I think there's room for a trade off of a new uh, car player. In the end, though, I think it's going to be very tough to compete with Ford and GM and Toyota. Toyota's yeah. going Toyota's to own a stake in them, so. I think that's worthy of noting. But you're going to want to read that prospectus. It's in it. It's going to tell you everything, Anthony. It's going to tell you who the competitors are. It's going to say, we're not going to be profitable for two years. It may say things like, we may need to raise more money after the IPO to stay viable as a growing concern. So it's going to give you what you need. Okay. So thanks Perfect. for calling. Thank Anthony. you very much. Thanks. Absolutely. And uh, even though you, 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 you nixed me on the working in your kitchen, it's fine. It's fine. I don't know if you know this, but I'm, I'm chef quality. Chef quality. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. Let's do some headline news. Do I get the song again? Or once is enough? There we go. 
Makes me feel legit. Too legit. Too legit to quit. The, I, I love this guy. This is the this is one of the best stories on the planet right now. And the audio that you're about to hear is precious. The appearance of BP's chief exec before Congress somewhat overshadowed the second appearance two weeks ago of an actor on Capitol Hill. Fox News Radio's Chris Barnes talks about Kevin Costner from Washington. Kevin Costner telling a Senate panel BP is now using more than 30 water filtering machines made by a company he owns in the oil spill cleanup. Honest, I feel vindicated. I think perhaps I will call my mother. And he says the attention the product's drawn has led to a partnership with the largest oil rig servicing firm in the Gulf, Edison Schwest. We are in the final stages of engineering emergency response ships that would be staged strategically throughout the Gulf with the ability to be on site within two hours of an incident. But Costner, whose venture first produced this machine a decade ago, asked why it's taken the oil industry and regulators so long to recognize the value of that technology. In Washington, Chris Barnes, Fox News Radio. He feels vindicated that we are now starting to use his technology, and it's a great technology or something along those lines, where I want you to still explain what the hell was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? Wyatt Earp, Ten Cup, the Postman. You've got a lot of explaining to do for the Postman, in my opinion. He's made nothing but bad, bad, bad movies since Field of Dreams and Bull Durham. Of which, Field of Dreams, great Father's Day movie. Field of Dreams, every time I watch it, I cry like a baby. Because in the end, build it and he will come, it's his dad. And the whole time you're thinking it's Shoeless Joe Jackson. It ain't Shoeless Joe Jackson. The whole time you think... Anyway, I cry like a baby in that one because I got daddy issues. I got big, big, big time daddy issues. Anyway, Kevin Costner, I love that he, somehow he's involved in the oil spill. For me, that's just a magical moment in media. Next up, hey, I watched last night. Did you? The Lakers, they won. But in true L.A. fashion, their fans lost their cool in the celebration. Fox News Radio's Jessica Rosenthal reports nearly 30 people arrested in L.A. Hundreds more police officers were deployed this year to prevent last year's violence following the Lakers win. But that didn't stop people from lighting things on fire, vandalizing cars, and throwing stuff at cops. But a lot of this was caught on videotape. Well, we made a lot of arrests, so a lot of them already been apprehended. But uh, videotape is, is, is extremely useful, and we use it all the time. That's LAPD Chief Charlie Beck. One person was beaten unconscious, and one police officer had his nose broken. In Los Angeles, Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News Radio. Nothing like a L.A. Lakers victory to get a free TV. Nothing like using an excuse to act like an animal. My personal opinion, rioters should be shot on the spot. Again, I live in a different world than you do. Uh, the whole idea of uh, using a victory to get out of control, those are the people we need to weed out of society. We need Darwin, and we need me as governor of California to help push Darwinian evolution along. Next up, fans of Harry Potter. And for the record, that was a great game last night. And I heard Armstrong and Getty uh, talking about, like, they didn't understand why um, one player was being uh, interviewed after the game instead of Kobe. Uh, it's because he had a great game. It's because he had a great game, and he single-handedly put a dagger through their hearts. Anyway, long story short, um, I don't watch a lot of basketball, but I watched a little basketball last night. Fans of Harry Potter are delighted. The Wizarding World of Harry Potter now officially opened in Florida. So you can go... And hang out with in the Harry Potter world. Harry Potter actor had this to say about the new theme park. I would not be here today if I did not think this place was fantastic. It's a $200 million facility. It's set on a 20-acre expanse. It includes a replica of the town of Hogsmeade, 
So it's Harry Potter theme park. And that was Daniel Radcliffe, which they're filming the last movie now, and uh, they're going to separate it into two, two installments. And it's wild to watch in the last 10 years. I think they've made eight movies now. Uh, how much these kids have grown up and how much they don't look like kids anymore. But if I were to go to Harry Potter land, I would have to be on Valium or on marijuana, on cocaine. I would have to be on a combination of all three of those for me to enjoy the world of Harry Potter and Hogsmeade. I don't get into the whole fantasy world all that often, and uh, I would be off my mind. I'd probably have a pretty good time, but I would have to be off my mind. And next up, a well-known painter of Christian art has been arrested doing something not so Christian. Fox News Radio's Todd Starnes reports. Police say the painter of light was lit. Thomas Kincaid busted on suspicion of DUI, arrested outside Carmel, California, pulled over initially because his Mercedes-Benz didn't have a front license plate. He failed a field sobriety test. Kincaid, known for his light-filled paintings of churches, country gardens, and cottages. The arrest coming a few weeks after one of his companies filed for bankruptcy. In New York, Todd Starnes, Fox News Radio. Thomas Kincaid, not an artist in my opinion. He's one step above the uh, dogs playing poker. I would probably rather have dogs playing poker artwork than Thomas Kincaid artwork. But, um, God, I love Todd Starnes. Todd Starnes is the best person at Fox News Radio. Uh, you know, the painter of light was lit. If that doesn't make you chuckle and feel good about yourself, I don't know what will. And finally today, first it was Shrek. Now the second big animated film of the summer is out. What are you going to do with these old toys? Toy Story 3 shows us Woody, Buzz, and the rest of their toy box friends dumped in a daycare center after Andy goes to college. Now, come on, guys. We all knew this day was coming. Tom Hanks and Tim Allen are back to lead the cast of Celebrity Voices. Geared more toward adults and comic book lovers, Jonah Hex. You don't look so tough. It's about the U.S. military making a bounty hunter an offer he can't refuse. In exchange for his freedom, he has to stop a terrorist who's ready to unleash hell on Earth. What happened to your face? The action film stars Josh Brolin, John Malkovich, and Megan Fox. John met the woman of his dreams. Then he met her son in Cyrus. Sabrina Sabah, Fox News Radio. Josh Brolin was on um, Craig Ferguson last night. And he looked like a man who knew he was about to have a flop coming out. It looks, Jonah Hex looks awful. It had, they had to reshoot it two or three times. It looks awful. Massive flop. There's going to be a product that you can buy this time next year that allows you to invest in movies, whether that you think they go up or down. Now, again, the word on Jonah Hex for a while has been massive flop. It's a superhero that doesn't have a cape. He's a comic book hero that, you know, he's a Civil War dude. That's not quite as cool. Now, Toy Story 3, Pixar, that's showing us a whole other business model of remakes are a lot more profitable, a lot easier to predict, a lot more easier to sell toys than taking a, you know, a bite on a new property like in Jonah Hex. Anyway, we get a chance to watch that Josh Brolin, Craig Ferguson interview. Uh, Brolin did not look like he wanted to be there, and he looked like hell on earth. He was not, not happy uh, to be talking with Ferguson. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Coming up, I'm going to get some more stock news for you. And uh, let's see if i got a story or two. Yes, i got a to- story or two tied towards technology. Rob Black and your money, 9, 10 a.m., more stimulating talk. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on 9, 10 a.m., more stimulating talk. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. Thanks for listening. I do appreciate it. 
I put a lot of hard work in the show. Sometimes it pays off, sometimes not so much. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's 800-345-5639. Before I get back to calls, I want to mention one thing. A MySpace executive has left the company. And to me, he was he was pretty good. He was a former MTV, former Sling Media executive. His name's Jason Hirschhorn. And he quit as co-president. And it just, again, shows you that MySpace five years ago was rocking and rolling, and it was doing hip. I never signed up for it because I thought it was kind of lame, in my opinion. The, the graphics, I just didn't like the feel of the site. Facebook comes out, and, um, well, the story is told that you know Facebook's got about 520 million users. Now, MySpace is 100 million plus, 111 million, which isn't bad. It's just that News Corp paid a premium of $580 million for those people, and you know management's they're just not sticking around, and you cannot win in a company. Unless you've got some sort of management. I'd rather have a great company than great management, but great management in a great company really works well. Let's go to Russell in San Jose. Russell? Hi, Rob. Uh, I like your show. Listen to it on a regular basis. I was a little surprised about your kind of putting down Thomas Kincaid. I would have thought you would, you would like him. Uh, he's, he's actually an accomplished artist. Um, you know, but he, what he does, I think he does pretty well, but, uh, he's a businessman and he's made a lot of money. I think you would like that about him. The reviews of his art refer to it as chocolate box art <laughs> and kitschy without substance. He's considered to be a sellout in large part because he sells his stuff on QVC. He's America's most collected living artist. I don't think America has much as far as taste goes. If you ask around, you know, Europeans and people from other countries, uh, we kind of like our hot dogs. Um, he's in one in 20 homes. Um, I don't find his artistic theme. I don't find pastoral colors. I don't find rendering of Impressionist style cross-pollinated with American scene painting any, anywhere near my ideal. I like Goyer and Bausch and Fuseli. Um, I can come up with, with painters that I find quite uh, lovely and talented. I can even come up with modern painters that I find uh, to be skillful. He's not going to be in the Louvre. No, um, he's, you know, he's a commercial artist. He's going to be on a greeting card or a calendar. Yeah, but it's going to be a very pretty greeting card. It's gonna, and a lot of people <laughs> are going to like it. If you like seeing a military man with a white light around him because your dad died in the military, fine, I get it. It's just it's not art. And I think he's using the Christian hook. It's commercial art. Well, I I think he's using the Christian hook a little aggressively. I don't, to tell you the truth, I don't don't get his stuff. You know, I don't buy it. I don't care for it that much because it is too commercial. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and yet, I'm going to hand it to him that that he does some uh, visually, some very attractive stuff. Okay, and I'm going to say, I think you're gimmicky. I think you're blind. I'm not blind. You know, he once peed on a Winnie the Pooh statue in Disney, and he said, that one's for you, Walt. Now, I find it, I find his humor funny. <laughs> I think that's your humor. <laughs> I, I think that's fantastic. Um, he once groped a woman's breast at a South Bend, Indiana sales event. Well, then I guess he's a red-blooded American boy. I think he might be. At a so century... he, we all make our mistakes. The thing is, I think, I'm just saying, he's a, a businessman. I think that would be attractive attractive to you that he's done well in business i i think he's stopping america from truly realizing that there's great talent out there i think his pieces are crap i think they're they should be burned um i feel like nazi if if nazis could come and take all of jim uh stuff and and burn it i'd be totally pro-nazi um 
something for everybody out there, and he has his niche, and there are a lot of people that like him. I think he, what he does, he does quite well. But uh, like I said, I don't collect his stuff. I don't have anything of his. Uh, I think he's too commercial. One time at a Siegfried and Roy show in Vegas, he got cited for yelling, Cod piece! Cod piece! at the performers. And he had to be calmed down by, the, get this, his mother. Anyone who travels with his mother... There's something wrong with. He's incoherent. He's clearly a drunk. He's a good son. If he travels with his mother, he's a good son. Come on. <laughs> he's he's clearly a drunk. He's got some massive problems. Um, peeing on a Disney statue. I mean, I don't know. If you want to like that work, if you want to back it, I think that's fantastic. I think his work is awful. I think that what he does, he does well. I keep hearing you say that, but that that's not. You're not giving any credit to any style, or you're not saying you know. Uh, he's revolutionized anything. All he's done, yeah, all he's done, is he's tapped into the, the the Bible thumpers of America and he sells them crap art. The guys found the niche and he's made he made a lot of money. I would think you would like that. I totally disagree with you, but thanks for the call. So keep in mind, I love artists, and I think we as a nation sometimes we push too much crap out, too much crap out, and we accept it as art. You know, Miley Cyrus was on Letterman last night, and and she is killing. The potential for some young, talented singer to be on the the charts. She's killing that potential because she's controversial. She's 17. She's the, the daughter of a uh, of a country music singer. I don't think her talent is enough, and I think we should suppress that as a nation. So 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. If you want, anyone wants to agree with them, that's totally fine with me. I will totally take that and uh, uh, be schooled. Speaking of schooling, Intel. Intel's got a, a good story out today. Uh, PC builds this quarter are going really well for Intel, and they're tracking towards guidance. So they're not going to have a great quarter. They're not going to have a bad quarter. But if you check the eight top notebook makers and desk board motherboard makers, they're saying, you know, um, all things considered, there's a lot of resilience for their chips. So they're selling quite well. Where on the other hand, AMD is a little bit lower than Intel. So they got a little bit softer trends going right now. Um, if you're an investor right now in a tough market and a chop market, Intel at $21, I think you can get it to 23 24 25 I wouldn't look for much more than that, but I think you could certainly ride it for a little while. Another stock that we should talk about right now is the iPhone stock, the maker of the Jesus phone, Apple. Now, their production significantly lacking demand. We keep hearing about this iPhone 4. It's going to have a pretty cool feature in it. It's going to have a camera on it, so... You can kind of Skype with your other friends who have an iPad or an iPhone. And you can do some little video conferencing phone calls. And that's nice. It's going to help push that forward. It's going to help make Skype more standardized, which even though it doesn't run Skype, it's going to help that technology which Skype has. So ultimately, uh, the supply checks indicate that they're not going to have enough supply to meet demand. So far, 600,000 plus iPhone 4 have been ordered. And it looks like it's going to launch with about 2 million. But according to people out of Japan, out of Asia, uh, the transition to the LCD is coming a little bit later in the summer. And uh, the production bottleneck's starting to hit, so they may not be able to meet demand, which, trust me, that's going to work in Apple's favor. Because you're going to see the news stories where Pam Moore is like, hey, let's go take a look at the Apple Store and the geniuses who work at Apple Store. And, oh, there's a line outside. People are waiting to get their iPhone. And that just helps the stock. It just helps feed into the myth of how great they are. And finally today, I want to talk a little research in motion. 
not finally today, but finally in this segment, they've seen a strong May quarter. And I don't know this stock well enough to advise in any way, shape, or form. I feel that it's lost to me. It's dead to me. Anytime you're one of my ex-friends, anyone who I've ever dated before, you're dead to me. Um, I, I don't carry on relationships from the past. I don't want to. And BlackBerry Research in Motion is kind of a stock that's dead to me. So I don't really keep that much in touch with it. On occasion, I'll brush back with it and see what it's all about. But they've got a new revamped operating system, 6, coming out. They've got a, that's, in theory, going to be a big catalyst and a big milestone. It's a user interface browser converged full touchscreen with a physical QWERTY form factor. And it should be a big push and help for AT&T. Now, it's got a slider launch with, you know, the revamped software. The slider is the new phone. I know nothing about it. I can't tell you for better or for worse. I'm throwing it out there in case it's a stock you care about because I know a lot of you do. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's 800-345-5639. Would you, pay, would you hire me to be your friend? I don't know. I'm sticking with that story because I think it's funny. There's a website where you can hire a friend, hirefriend.com. Do you like Thomas Kincaid work? I find it repulsive. Coming up, Michelle Steele from Bloomberg talking the business of sports live with me, Rob Black and your money, 9, 10 a.m., more stimulating talk. This is Rob Black and your money on 9, 10 a.m., more stimulating talk. And now, it's business time. Oh, yeah. It's business time. It's business time. Concord's business time. Let's bring in Michelle Steele from Bloomberg Television. Michelle, how are you feeling about the business time flight of the Concord's introduction? Very good. How are you feeling? Indeed. Is that a ringing endorsement? Were you looking for a ringing endorsement? Should I say good? Was that the right answer? Eh, there's no right answers. There's just compromises. Oh, okay. That's why I'm on the show. Absolutely. <laughs> we love you. Um, obviously, Reporter, television star, sports. Oh, come on. You got it all. You're the complete package of reporter. So, <laughs> what do you well, think? Well, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm Jill of all trades. What can I say? Just take the compliment. So, um, question for you. This, this morning, I, I woke up early. I watched Germany get beat by Serbia. Again. Can you believe? And you know what? I have a friend, actually, uh, in the newsroom here in New York at Bloomberg who was saying, and he lived in Germany for quite some time, saying that the German team actually, the first, uh, their opening matchup was against Australia, and they won soundly, I think something like 4-0. And the, the coach was saying, you know what, we need to keep it in check here. We cannot go out and start, you know, parading and boasting, because if we lose to Serbia, the press is going to just hammer us. Luckily, I mean, talk about a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, uh, yeah, kind of shocking there. Yeah, kind of sure. shocking. And, think, and Spain also. Think about them just this week. They were the favorite also uh, and losing there. And, you know, we can't help but mention the, uh, the United States with Slovenia today, a country of 2 million people, might I add. Right. Now you're now you're bringing me down because ultimately I'm riding the momentum of the comeback. But you're right. We we hey we hey don't be down. Don't okay. be down. We're still alive here. True. True. I mean, be down if 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 that two oh two two nil nil. I'm sorry. I, I don't think I can say 
I don't think international sports reporters are allowed to say zero. I think it's just nil. But anyway, um, if that halftime uh, score had had uh, been kept, we would be talking about the United States' early exit from the World Cup instead. But you know, I gotta, I gotta take my hat off to the coaches. Whatever they said at halftime worked apparently. Yeah, we seem to work well as a, a, a soccer team from behind, not so well ahead. Uh, we seem to like the drama, so to speak. That's the thing. But, um, you know, the United States was actually the favorite going into this round yeah. with Slovenia. And um, clearly that, that changed at halftime at 2-0. And then, and then they came back from behind. And, you know, but we can't. Uh, we do have to give some credit to the Slovenians here for sure. I mean, they didn't look like underdogs today. It's a team that defeated, defeated Russia in a playoff to reach the World Cup. So, and they even had a, a player before the game who went so far as to guarantee victory um, against the United States in this matchup. But here's the thing. Everyone to a man was expecting the United States or is expecting the United States to at least get out of this first round. And anything... And certainly the ESPN executives who spent $100 million securing rights to this World Cup, I mean, I, I can only imagine what their blood pressure is like today, but everyone is expecting the United States to advance given their uh, roster of talent, and anything less than that, Rob, would be a failure and a disappointment to the team and, and certainly its sponsors, including uh, Nike, which, of course, sponsors the team. Big match coming up against Algeria early next week. Yeah, definitely watching that. And the funny thing is, you know, I've been talking to some guys uh, who follow soccer very regularly, and especially the FIFA stuff, and hard to find kind of a, a consensus scenario um, that does have the United States coming out of this first round. You know, of course, you do have to finish as one of the top two teams with the most points in your grouping. Um, one scenario I've heard is that England would need to tie Algeria today. They're they're actually uh, uh, going up against Algeria this afternoon, and then the U.S. and, and they're expected to win actually by a lot. Um, and then the U.S. would need to win by at least two goals in their next game. So, you know, the pressure is definitely up here. It doesn't mean that they're out, but but it's definitely an uphill battle. It is an uphill battle. We're going to need to win to get in, that's for sure. Uh, no. Yeah, start the chanting. Start the USA chanting now, Rob. Absolutely. <laughs> Maybe we'll get lucky. Maybe Algeria will upset England today and just throw all the, the possibilities into. Maybe. Into I mean, that game's, that, yeah, that game's going on. The first seven minutes of the game just went by. I'm looking at the monitor right now. looks like Algeria's got some nice ball control. Well said, well said. Now, let's change the topic to. What Americans are going to be paying attention to this weekend, definitively, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson. Oh, yeah. My backyard. Yeah, and right Beach. in your neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I've played Pebble Beach. Good golf course. Oh, lucky you. Uh, yeah, round two of the U.S. Open today. Just about everybody's struggling, and that does include Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods. You know, Mickelson does still have... Uh, the off chance this weekend to uh, follow up on his win at the Masters and actually pass Woods as the world's number one golfer. Right now, he's the number two golfer. But, you know, here at Bloomberg, we're, we're all about the money, right? And we're following the numbers. Interested kind of in the earnings side of Mickelson's performance, according to, uh, obviously, not going out on a limb, saying that uh, Mickelson will likely make more money than Woods this year as far as PGA earnings. I didn't realize, though, how much more. I mean, 
Uh, Mickelson's played something like 12 events this year. He's made almost $3 million. So he's definitely one of the top earners. Woods, if you look at the money list, you got to scan down, way down to 118th. In fact, through just four events this year, Rob, he's made $405,000. And this is Tiger Woods. This is a guy who made almost $100 million in endorsement income last year. So $405,000 is like more there's more uh, change in his uh, couches at home, I think. But um, <laughs> We're not feeling bad for the billionaire, Tiger Woods. Well, no, of course not. Lunch still going to be on him, for sure. But uh, this is a guy, I think it's a fascinating business story because, you know, this is a guy who's maybe halfway done, uh, who had reached maybe half of his earnings power last November, and maybe he's reached 90% of his earnings power at this point, you know, given given what his uh, track record has been like. We actually, I had a couple stats guys here uh, kind of project out, and given the track record thus far, we project Phil Mickelson to make almost $5 million in PGA Tour winnings this year. And Tiger, will he'll do okay. He'll break $1.2 million, but just barely, which is about as bad as, he, as he's ever um, done since turning pro. Let me ask you a question, because as a woman, as a female reporter, you're carrying two two hats. You're you're sure. covering the, you're covering the sport legitimately, but you also have emotions as a woman. Um, Tiger Woods. I mean, the women that I talk to, they're mad at Tiger, and they're not forgiving him in any way, shape, or form. Whereas if you talk mm-hmm. to sports people, they want him in the sport because it's it's good for advertisers and it's good for the money. But- yeah, and on that side, I have to I have to be professional and kind of. Uh, err on the side of seeing him through the prism of uh, what he means to the sport and covering it to the best I can as an objective sport reporter. And here's the thing. He he is, for all, for all of I, I've talked to USJ guys, I've talked to BG, PGA Tour guys, and they all say, look, Tiger is not, there are lots of stars in golf. You know, there's Mickelson, there's Jim Furyk, there's Ernie Els, but, but Tiger has been, the purses have gone up substantially since he's been a pro. He is their meal ticket, you know, and that's what I think is fascinating. I think that it's a tragic personal story, mm-hmm. and would I want to date the guy? No, but I, I, do have to, I do have to see him from a business point of view. Michelle, I think he'd want to date you. I don't know if you is it hard my... to separate myself? <laughs> no, no, is it I hard th- to separate myself? I have to. No, I have what, I, what I threw at you is you don't want to date him, but I think Tiger would want to date you. And that, that's what got him into trouble. Uh, me and the mouse. Well, I'm going to leave that one alone, actually. No doubt, and I'm sorry I even went there. Let's let's wrap things up with the <laughs> NBA. I don't watch a lot of basketball. Professional basketball is not my game, Michelle. But last night okay. I was compelled, and I watched. And Ron Artest, you know, it was a fun game to watch the ending of. Was it, wasn't it? And you know what the interesting thing about Artest is? Um and I have to say, like, I, I was actually talking to someone today about how he's just had this horrible, horrible rep in the league, especially since that Pacers-Pistons uh, brawl in the stands. I don't know if you remember that yeah. several years ago. But here's a guy, I, I don't know if you saw any of the postgame last night, goes on TV. I, I got He's got to be the first professional athlete ever to thank his psychiatrist on national television after winning a championship, I mean, you have to hand it to the guy for uh, for being ballsy or maybe just clueless. I, I, I don't know. I mean, every, any sponsor or any a potential endorser who hears that, uh, likely going to stay away. <laughs> Probably, maybe, maybe they may think he's a little too unpredictable to uh, trust with any uh, product endorsement. 
But um, maybe I, I could see him on like Surreal Life one day. That that might be interesting. I think we all. Can. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it was it was an interesting game, uh, a close game, and uh, there will be some opportunities. I mean, you got you got to think that Kobe Bryant and and certainly I think the uh, series MVP Pau Gasol are going to have some interesting marketing opportunities open up to them in the next uh, weeks and months. Thanks for joining us, Michelle. Absolutely, Rob. Thanks for having me. You guys have a, a good weekend. I would talk to you all day if I could. It's Michelle Steele. She's from Bloomberg Television. She talks the business of sports. It's two of our favorite topics as men. It's two of my favorite personal topics, clearly sports and money, and uh, she knows her stuff. You can find her on Bloomberg Television. She comes on typically around 50 past the hour, a little bit later than that, 54 past the hour, and I think she does great work. It's fun talking to her. It's a true professional. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. If you want to call and comment about anything today from the world of investing to the world of sports, 800-345-5639. Rob Black and your money, 910 AM. More stimulating talk. Oh, yeah. It's business time. It's business time. is Rob Black and your money on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. And now, Rob Black. So, earlier in the show, I was talking about rentafriend.com. It's a website where you can rent a friend. Go into a new city and you want a tour guide. Go into a new city and you want a bowling buddy. Home by yourself. Would you rent a friend? And I, I kind of turned it on me because my true ego runs that direction. Uh, would you rent me for 20 bucks an hour? And uh, so far, no one's really going to pony up, and I'm a little sad by that. So I'm going to have a sad weekend. Anyway, um, Michael sends in an email, and he's talking a little bit about Thomas Kincaid, a guy who basically was in my headline news today getting arrested for drunk driving. He once peed on a Winnie the Pooh statue and said, there's to you, Walt, and uh, got thrown out of a, a Siegfried and Roy show, which, again, I think we all wish we could do, and he does. He's a little bit of a drinky, drinky problem. I think his art sucks. But uh, Michael sends in an email. He goes, you're right on the money. Thomas Kincaid paintings are crap. Uh, they're about as artistic as precious moments collectible figurines. Collectible by who? I have a collection of Danish figurines that I started when I was single in the Navy. This is a Kincaid painting. Could never compare to an Edward Hopper. Precious moments don't compare to a Bingham Grundle, Royal Copenhagen, or Dahl Jensen figurine. God, Mike, you, you collect figurines? That's mighty feminine of you. Just between me and you. Anyway, 800-345-5639. Thanks for agreeing with me, but I don't know if I need that endorsement. Let's go to Kim and Martinez. Kim? Yeah, I just wanted to make a comment, too, about Kincaid and his prints. Uh, my mom was in the hospital a couple of years ago, and she was stuck in a room with a Thomas Kincaid print. And uh, she said it reminded her of death because there was nothing moving in the picture, no animals, no birds. So she literally had me cover it with a towel. I mean, granted, not all his pictures are like that. But uh, it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. And, and do you agree with me that we as a nation don't have a lot of taste? <laughs> yeah. I, well, definitely with those. I mean, I've seen some of his pictures that have animals and flowing water, but I could definitely get her point. It, it actually was kind of frightening when she brought it to my attention, too. Top comedy in America is Two and a Half Men, number one restaurant by far McDonald's. I mean, it doesn't. It's not a huge stretch to say Thomas Kincaid is is part of the problem and, and not part of the solution. Yeah, just wanted to say um, I agree with you on. Uh, uh, Wildly appreciated. And, and did your mom <laughs> get out of the hospital without killing herself? 
Uh, you know, she recently passed away, oh. but, uh, you know, that, that picture just didn't help. So <laughs> luckily they had towels there to cover up the picture because she, she just she knew she was going to go there someday. She just didn't want to be there looking at it in the face. Quick question. Did the, pa- did the passing go pretty smoothly for the family as far as wills and inheritances and, and you know, the kids fighting over issues? Um, I'm, well, my father's still around, so okay. uh, that's not really an issue right now. So, oh, yeah. but uh, the whole system wasn't that great as far as uh, getting some care in the home. Pretty rough stuff. And thanks for the call, Kim. My yep. mother fell last week and broke three ribs, and uh, it's the third time in three years where she's going to need a whole month of of care and maintenance by someone else. And this time around, it's eight thousand a month. You project that out, and you can quickly see that's ninety thousand a year. So getting old is very, very expensive. Let's get a Ron in Rancho Cucamongo. Hey, Ron. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I emailed you yesterday about Anadarko Petroleum and just to see if that was maybe a good long-term play as opposed to BP. Yeah, you, you know the headline news is brutal right now, and like the oil, yeah. the oil drillers are all packing up and saying, you know what, we're going to go where we're needed. If we're not needed in the Gulf, we're going to go to Africa, we're going to go to Norway, we're going to go to Brazil. So the whole industry has got a little bit of a, we don't know what's going to be going on, and the cost for the whole oil industry, whether you're a service provider and or an integrated oil company, I think the, the thought is the costs are going to be going higher across the board. Uh, as far as oil goes, as far as Anadarko goes, and, and thanks for the call. I know you're calling from a long distance. Um, the stock's been hit since this whole thing started. It's gone from about 70 bucks down to 40 bucks. It has a small dividend yield. It's got a, a valuation that's probably going to go a little bit lower. Most analysts right now are saying, let's cut our numbers. Let's wait and see. Let's, let's, let's go that direction. This is a company that's um, in the Anadarko Basin. They explore, they develop, produce, market oil, natural gas, natural gas liquids, and other products. It's a huge independent company. They got a billion barrels of crude oil. They got about 7.8 trillion cubic feet of natural gas. Natural gas is probably weighing on them a little bit more than the oil situation in the Gulf. Natural gas has had just poor, poor pricing in the last two, three, four years now. And Anadarko operates a handful of gas gathering systems in the mid-continent. So Let's see what the analysts are trying to say about Anadarko. Ticker symbol on Anadarko is APC, APC. Again, the whole sector seems to be being painted like a Thomas Kincaid painting, i.e. not well. Um, there is actually nothing independent. Like, the whole sector is just down, and that's uh, where you see most of the news on the company. Natural gas stocks with exposure to the Marcellus Shell. Strong story about the rupture. Okay, in Pittsburgh, back on June 10th, um, it was reported that a natural gas and drilling fluids are spewing out of an out-of-control oil well with an operation drilling in the Marcellus Shell, which was ruptured on Friday. Not clear who owns the well, but there's a lot of companies that have exposure in that area. So it seems like that is the thing that is truly pushing the stock lower. It's not really the Gulf, but the Marcellus Shell uh, formation where the, the, a lot of natural gas has come out. We've we've learned that you can like blow it up and kind of flatten the earth, and you're blowing it up with chemicals that get back into the earth. So there's a lot of you know how much do we feel about what's called fracking? Um, how much how comfortable do we feel with fracking the earth? Sales volume guidance, projected capital spending, interim results of a successful deepwater Gulf of Mexico. They got a successful deepwater Gulf of Mexico appraisal, but was suspended with a moratorium on the Gulf of Mexico. 
Um, they still expect revenues to be in the 5.3 billion range. Um, people say the sell-off looks overdone, and maybe it's a $52 stock. Let's see what it currently is. It's currently, give me just a second, ticker symbol on Anadarko is uh, 42. So 42 ticker symbol APC. I'm seeing analysts saying the uh, oversell is, is overdone, like the, the, the overselling of BP is overdone, but we don't know the damage is done to BP at this point in time. And analysts are saying that Anadarko Petroleum could be a takeover candidate. So it looks like it's got some upside. It looks like it's being oversold, Ron, and it looks like it has some upside. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Now, you might have seen this story recently, and it was a heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching story. Sacramento County Sheriff's officials, they had a big three-day standoff with an armed suspect who had a toddler hostage. And question for you financially, how much do you think that cost the city of Sacramento in overtime? $100,000. Sheriff John McGinnis is still tallying up the expenses from the standoff, including the cost of repairing damaged robots and supplying food to deputies at the scene. But he says the event created a significant drain on the department's budget. The standoff with 26-year-old Anthony Alvarez ended when they basically shot him to death. There was a 16-month-old boy who was the son of Alvarez's cousin. He suffered only a minor abrasion on his leg, but $100,000 in a standoff, like, we are a weird society at times. How much, how expensive is it to save a life? At what point in time is it, is it too expensive? Is it ever too expensive? I don't think I have a right answer for you, but I just throw that out there just, again, so you can be angry at the world and say, my tax money is going for that kind of crap? Put a bullet in his head sooner. Or, I love all children, save the children, do whatever you must. I don't know. There's no right answer, in my opinion. There's just compromises. I'm, I'm damn set on that. Next up, and finally today, netbooks. A couple of years ago, we were talking about netbooks. Netbooks are going to be the next big thing in computing. Kind of scaled-down notebook. I got a netbook. Well, it comes out today that they're now saying tablets are the next big thing, including Apple's iPad. It'll overtake netbooks by market share within two years. It'll be, by 2015, constitute the second largest product, uh, product category behind notebooks. So notebooks will beat netbooks. Notebooks, 42% of uh, the laptops. Uh, 23% will be tablets. 18% will be desktops. And 17% will be netbooks. So notebooks, still going to be dominant, but tablets will be bigger than desktops and netbooks. That's how big this netbook thing is. The iPad and Dell's jumping on it. And Dell's talking about, by the way, going private. You know, some of the finer points, though, of the iPad, it may not be a PC because it doesn't have a traditional keyboard and mouse. When you're using it, you don't generally create and edit files with programs. But analysts are still saying the tablets like the iPad should be classified as a form of personal computer. And they say the category is going to grow at a compounded annual rate of about 42% through the year 2015. And unit sales will go from about $3 million this year to almost $20 million by the year 2015. So that device category, that category is going to have outstanding growth. There'll be some peripherals that go with that outstanding growth. There'll be some cases that go with that outstanding growth. There'll be companies like Best Buy that benefit from that outstanding growth. You get the idea. 2015, out of all computers sold in America, 42% will be notebooks. 23% will be tablets. 18% will be desktops. 17% will be netbooks. And just a couple years ago, we thought it was the netbook. It was all that in a box of chocolate. 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black and your money show. I wildly appreciate this week. You've been a good audience. I appreciate it. Don't buy any Thomas Kincaid prints. Don't be a fool. Rob Black, your money. 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Up. So you've got to let me know.
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 